This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. It is a Monday edition of Real Talk on this April 17th. Jesperson here with Hicks. Thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate you catching this on YouTube, on Mixler, the live streaming audio app presented by California Closets, or of course, via our podcast links. We've got a great show in store in just a second. Charles Adler on Pierre Polyev's plan to defund the CBC. The conservative leader, the opposition leader has been lobbying Twitter to add a badge. And it's not the one that the CBC wants on its Twitter account. It's a, a notation that the CBC is, quote, government funded media. Polyev's wanted it for a long time. He sent a, a public letter to Twitter and well, he got his wish over the weekend. And now he's doubling down. He's suggesting that reporters asking questions on behalf of the Canadian press or the CBC may be in a conflict of interest. Of course, none of this comes from a point of sincerity, not one little bit. And I suspect that Adler's ready to tee off on that in just a second. Plus, longtime sports reporter Derek Van Deest is going to join us in studio. He last joined us uh, from halfway around the world when he was covering uh, World Cup soccer action. And uh, he's uh, from Qatar, and he's going to be joining us now talking about his new gig with NHL.com. And, of course, the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. They dropped the puck tonight, Monday night, and a lot of us are really excited about that. If you're maybe even just a tepid fan, but you're going to be participating in a playoff pool at the office, we've got you covered. DVD has the inside scoop on all the storylines that matter most. Uh, Johnny Infamous, the producer of this show, I'm not sure if you've gone on the record yet with your Stanley Cup final pick or not. Have you narrowed down who you believe will be the Western Conference and Eastern Conference champions? The final? I don't know. Well, I'm hoping it's Oilers and Lightning. That's Oilers, what I'm hoping Lightning. it's going to be. Okay. Yeah, I'd so like you to see, see the Lightning beating the Maple Leafs in the first yeah, round. Yeah, or if not, the uh, the Avs. I'd like to see them beat either the Stanley Cup okay. champion reigning or yeah. or maybe go back to the uh, the previous year. There right? you go. Go to Colorado to get to the top year. final. Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking what about uh, it's going to be a rematch of the 1990 mm. Stanley Cup final, uh, which would see the Edmonton Oilers take on the Boston Bruins. Wow. And I do think that they're is a chance you're not even supposed to say things like this out loud but i do think there is a chance the oilers could hoist their first stanley cup I do since too. 1990 but they're gonna have to go through some great teams yeah. including the la kings in round one so yeah it's not a sports show here per se but we love hockey and uh it's a it's a it's a show based out of western canada so what do you expect us to talk about today plus positive reflections we saw a suggestion a content suggestion for positive Positive Reflections presented by QB Energy pop up in our live chat last week. We love it. I'll give you a hint. Uh, it, it's about a long distance relationship. Two pals, a friendship forged through COVID. And now we're going to show you how they're managing the distance between them. It's such a fabulous story. That's coming up. This episode of Real Talk is presented by our friends at We Know Training. You can check it out at weknowtraining.ca. Are, are you a decision maker? 
Are you a decision maker at a, at a nonprofit, maybe an association or, or even a regulator looking for a one-stop solution to develop, deliver, and monetize training that matters? If you're in charge of training and you want to see it make a real impact, check out weknowtraining.ca today. They offer centralized business services to fully support and manage any training and credentialing program. That include uh, could include in-house e-learning development teams, uh, sales and marketing teams looking to scale your content to untapped markets, bilingual coast-to-coast customer success and support teams, and then even finance and accounts payable. You know, make your payment processing seamless and streamlined. They do it all at weknowtraining.ca. Every Monday, we welcome to the program Emmy Award-winning talk radio legend Charles Adler, who made a professional announcement of his own just a few days ago. Newspaper columnist now with the Winnipeg Free Press doing two columns a week. I love it. What a great fit for you, Chuck. Congratulations on that. I love it. Well, as you know, I'm not really a writer. Can you hear me? <laughs> I can hear you loud and clear, pal. All right. As you know, as you, as you know, I'm not really thought of as a writer, but I uh, I write every day, and uh, now I've, I'm writing uh, some columns for the Winnipeg Free Press. I was writing for them a, a number of uh, years ago, and uh, now we've uh, renewed old acquaintances, and uh, that feels good. And uh, one day I'll try to get them to tear down this wall, Mr. <laughs> Silver. Tear down this wall so that everyone can uh, can access them. Um, the columns, of the, I mean, uh, the, naturally, many of the columns focus on things that are related uh, specifically to, to Manitoba. But to being the writer uh, that I am, I think that I can uh, make them accessible. So regardless of whether or not you live in Manitoba or care about Manitoba, regardless of whether or not you're rooting for the Winnipeg Jets tomorrow. This is my first question. Golden Knights in Vegas, as I am now. As you know, I'm a Winnipeg uh, Jets homer. Yes, technically, I, you know, I was raised in, in Montreal, but that was uh, that was then, and this is now. I, I left Montreal in in '78. I joined the uh, Winnipeg Jets broadcast crew a number of years ago. The original uh, Winnipeg Jets, and so yes, I'm a Winnipeg uh, Jets fan. But uh, in the interests of Canadian compromise. The moment the Winnipeg Jets are out of the playoffs, I'm an Edmonton Oiler fan, <laughs> and I fully I fully expect to receive an Edmonton Oiler cap, and I will wear the Edmonton Oiler cap all the way to the night where they hoist the Stanley Cup in a venue, probably in Boston. I guess the way it would work out, um, but uh, to to see the uh, to see the Edmonton Oilers host the Stanley Cup, whether it's in Edmonton or Boston, it doesn't matter to me. That will be an amazing amazing moment in Canadian history. I love that we have not even seen uh, the first period of the first game of the Stanley Cup playoffs, and you, whose loyalty uh, loyalty to and affinity for and love for Winnipeg could never be questioned. You've never. already let us know what team you'll be <laughs> moving on to. I, I look, I, 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 you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a homer, but I'm a, a realistic homer. Okay? okay, and I don't, I don't see the Jets as being. You know, a, a third round team. I, I'd love for them uh, to, to, you know, to get out of the first round. Uh, obviously, if they they you know performed some sort of miracle and and got all the way to the Stanley Cup, all the way to you know to the final round. But uh, as I say, to be uh, realistic and to have some credibility, because after all, uh, you you let people know that I'm a talk radio legend. I can't I can't be a legend without embracing. Connor McDavid and all the rest of them. I mean, I, I could go, go down the line, but we want to talk about 
some other things as well. By the way, just a, a serious question about this. If the Edmonton Oilers don't make it uh, to the final round, are we in um, jeopardy? I hate to hate to talk about this. Games have Buck hasn't even been dropped. But are we are we in jeopardy of losing a Drysital or a McDavid? or any of the other incredible stars. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, you know, the, I could give you the hockey player answer, which which would just be like, that's not where our minds are right now. No, that's no, not I don't, something I don't, we're I don't, even I don't, remotely I don't talk thinking to Ryan of. Jesperson but I, but I would say, uh, I would say uh, not at this point, but people are aware in Edmonton that there is a short window. I would say there's probably a three-year window. Uh, never mind the fact that some of these big contracts are coming up, but these are superstars in particular, McDavid and Dreisaitl, in their primes right now, and a superstar can only wait so long to have a supporting cast around them. But I feel like... I feel like right now the Matthias Ekholm edition, we'll get into this mm-hmm. with Derek Van Deest a little bit, but it's ignited a fire under Evan Bouchard. The defense is looking good. Stuart Skinner looks like he's ready to rock. Uh, the goaltender that probably could be rookie of the year, but but likely won't be due to other worthy candidates. And then you've got a supporting cast like Ryan Nugent Hopkins having an unbelievable year. Evander Kane's ready to go. You've got Zach Hyman ready to rock. So I don't know, Chuck. I think this is a team that could do some damage, but a lot of really great teams. There's a lot of parity this year. I don't think that there's, maybe aside from the Bruins, not one team that you look at and go, gosh, that's the team to beat. The Edmonton Oilers are in the mix with, I would say, three, four, five, six other really good teams. All right. Uh, the thing that always concerns me most about uh, playoffs, because uh, you know, there's the regular season and playoffs are, to me, a, a totally different animal. Yeah. Have we got the shoulders, okay, have we got the shoulders to, to defend our blue line? Yeah. Because that's what that's what the Boston Bruins have. That's what they believe in. And sometimes Edmonton gets questioned about whether or not we've got the toughness, whether we've got yeah. the, the, the sack, as it were, I think uh, to, to take it all away. I think they do. I like it. And I, and I like the chance. I I don't know. So I was we, we were looking today at, at some voices we wanted to get on the show this week. And, and, I, and I had a conversation. He sends his regrets. But, uh, but former Oilers captain Andrew Ference, who, who you'll remember, uh, hoisted the Stanley Cup with the Boston Bruins. Uh, I was texting with him yesterday. He wanted to join us, but he's coaching early morning hockey. And he, he says his call. Uh, is the exact same. He sees an Oilers-Bruins final. He says, I'd love for the Oilers to win. He says, but I don't think they're going to. He has Boston winning the Cup. So we'll see what happens. This is a Bruins team that's it's, it's now or never. They've, they've got older players, great players, but you know players like David Krejci and those, this, this is probably going to be their last kick at it. So we'll see how it goes. Okay, uh, you can take the kid out of Montreal. You can't take Montreal out of the kid. Mm. I hate, I don't use that word often publicly. Mm. I hate the Boston Bruins. That's okay. That's okay. I would think that a guy like you might have just a tiny little, if you know, like like Bobby Orr, Phil Esposito, Raymond Bork, I, like you know. Yeah, those guys I, 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 you know, it's it's not personal. It's just business. Yeah, fair enough. Fair it's enough. just business. I, I, I loved Bobby Orr. I loved interviewing Bobby Orr and Espo and and some of the others. But when you grow up in Montreal, um, it, it's catechism. You must love the Canadians. That's easy to do. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, it used to be easy to do when I lived there. Sure, <laughs> Ken Dryden, Larry Robinson. I, w- I was there for that. Yes, I know I don't look old enough, but I, you know, I promise you that I was there for all of that. Um, anyway, it's it, you. You you must love the the Canadians, and you must hate the specifically the Boston Bruins and the Toronto Maple Leafs. You've you've got to 
you know, hate on them. I've I mean, never so had a, a hard time f- feeling strong feelings about the Toronto Maple Leafs. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's let's talk. Uh, I don't know if All this right. is politics. I mean, it is politics, but it's a, yeah. a story that expands beyond that. Uh, Pierre Poliev uh, is writing an open letter to Twitter uh, a couple of weeks ago asking that the CBC's account be labeled as so-called government funded media. And what do you know? Over the weekend, as you can see right here, there it is, right in the bio of the CBC's official account on Twitter, government-funded media. It's a win, optically, for Poliev. Take us into how you're feeling about all this. You know, every day, it doesn't matter whether he's talking to a CP reporter and says something like, you know, you might want to check your question with the ethics commissioner um, or or running uh, videos with the... Hitler and Stalin in them, and then uh, positioning himself, Polyev as the as the Churchill, and and now the you know CBC, you know, trying to you know get get the Twitter to somehow stick a knife in the in the back of the CB. I, Ryan, help me with this. You went to high school. I went to high school. There was always somebody in high school that was just so creepy that people just kind of stayed away from him. Okay, we don't we don't have to get all politically correct about this and say that nobody should ever suffer that way. Blah blah. I don't I don't want to get into that. There was always someone who ninety nine point nine percent of people just felt really uncomfortable with. Does Polly have not strike you in every way, almost every day, with all of these stories as that guy, that guy that we just. Didn't want to shoot pool with. Yeah, well, it's to me. I don't know if I use the word. I, I just think it's more snide. It's it's just like a little. It's it like it oozes of insincerity. I mean, Johnny, why don't we load up that clip? So apologies here. I just grabbed the audio off yeah. off Twitter. This was recorded obviously on a cell phone, but this is an exchange uh, over the weekend with conservative leader Pierre Polyev and a reporter. Now the reporter is is not technically from the CBC. They're from the Canadian press. Most people understand that the Canadian press, uh, like Reuters or any other service, the, the AP. Can, can make stories available, and then outlets like the CBC can pick them up, can pay for the story and run them. So this is a not a CBC. This is a Canadian press reporter asking a question of Pierre Poliev, and, and here's how he responded. Are you, you work for CP? Yes, I do. So you, your biggest client is CBC, right? Yes, but my yes, that's right. That. I just don't want. I just want to be careful that we don't get you into a conflict of interest here. Have you checked with the ethics commissioner on whether you're in a conflict of interest? And asking about CBC funding, given that it's the principal source of money for CP. You see what I mean? Uh, like he, he, he's just being snide, and and all of this, I think, is is part of a bigger picture conversation about uh, the future of the CBC, the role that the CBC plays, funding that the CBC receives, and how it receives that funding. In other words, to whom is it accountable? And I think that it's it's probably. Uh, you know, disingenuous to suggest that the government, in other words, the partisan liberal government is playing a role in the editorial content that the CBC pushes out. This is what I hope that people are smart enough or informed enough to be focusing on. All right. Uh, so I, I'll, I'll, I'll try to lighten up, but there are times where, you know, that's a little difficult because you know, I have studied authoritarianism, uh, and authoritarians always do this. This is what they they kind of lead with. Um, but just ask, answer this question for me, Ryan. When the uh, government-funded uh, CBC was government-funded and the government was operated by the Harper Conservatives, was the – and that included, of course, Pierre Polyev. Did Pierre Polyev ever complain uh, that the, the CBC was a, a tool, a poodle, 
of the Harper government. Yeah. No, I I, I, I don't think I caught that one. I must have missed I, that one. Yeah. But what about the military? Uh, I understand. Uh, I, I could be wrong. Uh, you know, maybe my sources are, are too liberal. Maybe I'm just not plugged in uh, to the conservative truth of the matter. But is the Canadian military funded by the government? I mean, I guess you'd have to say that in a way it is. Okay, so in a way, the Canadian military is funded by... So is the Canadian military like a private militia for Justin Trudeau? I mean, I mean, I know that the questions sound absurd, but the only reason I'm asking absurd questions is because I've got to show, I've got to illustrate, I've got because the picture's worth a thousand words, I've got to illustrate the absurdity of this idea that anything that is government-funded, therefore is some sort of private lapdog of Justin Trudeau. I mean, you've got, everyone Everyone knows how I feel about uh, Danielle Smith. I'm not exactly big on her. I've endorsed uh, Rachel Notley. But I'm not going to say that anybody who works as a police officer uh, in Edmonton or Calgary is working for Danielle Smith because the government funds uh, cops. Uh, I mean, just uh, how, how far does one want to go with this beyond everything else? How 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 much can you in, insult the intelligence of the Canadian people, whether they're living in Alberta or Ontario or wherever? How much can you insult them and still consider yourself a credible leader of what you think of as a national governing party? How can you think of yourself as prime minister worthy when you indulge in this this stuff that I don't know the, the people. You know, the people are have the mentality of eight year olds embrace this stuff. But I, I understand there's a base, there's a basis, whatever the base. Ten percent of the people of the country love this stuff. I, I get that, but I'm talking about the majority of Canadians, just normal Canadians. How, how, how can you keep insulting normal Canadians? And expect to have any moral authority. Yeah, well, I mean, and I just think that it's it's a short term play, not a long term play. The whole it just sort of like the whole defund the CBC movement. I mean, so CBC Radio Canada from its account, uh, you know, pointing out uh, after receiving this government or media account label on Twitter says Twitter's own policy defines government funded media as cases where the government may have varying degrees of involvement over editorial content, which is clearly not the case with CBC. And here's where I say, you know, if you want to say, is the Canadian military government funded or is the CBC government funded? Here's the distinction, you know, CBC and many other departments, many other, uh, I mean, mean, there obviously there's a ton. You look at the federal budget, you know, I mean, we're talking, you know, I mean, obviously billions and billions and billions of dollars publicly funded through a parliamentary appropriation voted on by all members of parliament, right? In other words, not just the government, not just the liberals. Uh, the CBC's editorial independence protected in law, in the Broadcasting Act. They said, as we said in our statement from last week, I'm not carrying water for the CBC. I have nothing to gain from this. Uh, as a matter of fact, in a way, Chuck, I suppose we compete with the CBC. But what I see here is a politician uh, taking something that he knows is, is obviously a trigger point uh, for a lot of, uh, of of the more vociferous members of his base and torquing it and torquing it. But what's the end game here? Like, well, part, what do you say to a CBC reporter that's out in the field right now doing yeah. their work as this temperature gets turned up and up and up from the conservative leader? Ryan, let's let's please put our cards on the table because we call the show Real Talk. Isn't part of this about telling the private sector, which we worked in for decades, private sector, you better play ball with us. You better not be tough on us. 
you better all be friendlies. Now, I realize that, you know, some talk show hosts and some others are automatically friendlies because they want access. And some people completely whore themselves for, for access. In this case, uh, I'm talking about whoring themselves for access to uh, Pierre Polyev. And we'll say nothing ever unkind, nothing critical about Pierre Polyev because they want him on their show. I mean, uh, fine, that's that's the way the game is played. But the, 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 the question here is, isn't part of this about simply telling everyone in private sector media, whether they're doing the, the, the papers or the radio, television, web, whatever, that you, you, you'd better not be nasty with us because if you are, we're going to target you. We're going to put a target on your back and we're going to call you names and we're going to say that you're a shill for you're in the tank with you're a liberal. Let me ask every member of this listening or viewing audience what they think might be the consequence like let's let's try to look out six months or two years or ten years from now the con the consequence of actually defunding the cbc if you're looking at the media business right now if you're looking at the industry but also the the, the resource of the estate if you will the fourth estate journalism storytelling history representation communication across the country it's in a real tough spot. I mean, the newspaper business has been bleeding. If you look at how many small town radio shows there are anymore, let alone six o'clock news broadcasts, they're done. Charles, morning radio shows are in syndication across the country. It's very unusual to have local hosts anymore. And who ultimately suffers when stories stop being told, when corporations and politicians stop being held accountable? What happens when it doesn't make business sense for you know hedge fund owned media entities to continue to operate it's members of the public that get completely screwed and i think that that whole political torque job of defunding the cbc is short-sighted and ultimately it hurts canadians well putting aside that um i don't think that he'll become uh, prime minister i think he's screwing himself every day he's creating an ad uh, for the Liberal Party, you don't have to be uh, creative. All you've got to do is, uh, you know, take 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 video of a Pierre Polyev. It's easy to put 30 second, 60 second ads together. And and when people do pay attention, which is not when all these polls are being done, they pay attention when the when the campaign is on or shortly before the campaign. It, it's it, it's pretty easy to uh, politically uh, take down Pierre Polyev with his own words. So pu putting that aside. Uh, if he did uh, make it in, if he formed some sort of minority government, I still don't think that he would defund the CBC and their whole flock of, of, of reasons for that. But the, if we're asking about the larger problem, and the larger problem is let's not think of ourselves, let's not think of the politicians, let's think of the people that we're supposed to think about, the public. The public needs information. The public needs information services, just as the public needs firefighters and teachers, roads, hospitals, the Canadian military, the public needs public services. So I think at some point, if the so-called business model for media uh, falls through the grapes, yes, I'm a capitalist, yes, I'm a free enterprise person, but public service is public service. And at some point, whether it's provincial governments, municipal governments, federal governments, there may have to be subsidies, there may have to be something done to have a rational conversation about giving the public, whether they're in a small town or a large city, no matter where they are in the country, access to important information. And it'll be very important not to just slag anyone who's involved in the information business as a tool of a political party, whether it's a cop, 
or a broadcaster. You can catch Charles Adler every Monday right here on Real Talk, the the newest announced columnist for the Winnipeg Free Press and, of course, RTDNA Lifetime Achievement Award winner. We'll talk to you again in a week, pal. Thanks a lot. That conversation was presented by Real Talk sponsors. We encourage you to support whenever you're able, and that includes the team at Apex Automation. Now, now here's a call to professional engineers across the country. Uh, this could be someone with 20, 25 years experience, or this might be somebody just graduating from engineering school. Maybe you're tuning into Real Talk. You're downloading this podcast from down in Calgary. Maybe a new engineering grad looking to get your career started with a team that's on the cutting edge of where industry is going. That includes advanced process controls, distributed control systems, autonomous vehicles and machinery. Apex Automation's clients span across different industries, including agriculture, including food and beverage, brewing, and of course, a ton in energy across Western Canada and into the U.S. If you're looking to work at a place that puts its people ahead of its profits, check out apexautomation.ca today. Hey, are you like our family uh, thinking about or actually making a move forward on bringing your outdoor space to life this summer? We're so excited to be partnering up with Eden Landscaping. Our backyard has just absolutely bummed us out the last couple of years. We love our dogs, but we can't stand what they're doing to our sod. Well, out is the grass and in shall soon be installed an entirely new landscape designed with purpose by Mike and his team at Eden Landscaping. They can take your design to the next level where you're looking for an ultra-modern design, maybe focusing more on natural beauty, or maybe you've got some stunning stonework in mind. Water features, outdoor kitchens, retaining walls, there's nothing they can't do. You can check them out online. Eden Landscaping at landscapeedmonton.ca. When we talk about building, every single time we talk about building, we celebrate this space, this relatively new studio space of ours in a 110-year-old building that had its own unique challenges, including a persistent water leak when we first got the keys. The team at Complete Care Restoration said, not a problem. They solve problems professionally and have been doing so for the many, many years they've been in business helping people out in a lot of circumstances dealing with nightmare scenarios like fire damage flood damage even mold and asbestos removal if you have a situation on your hands that is no laughing matter don't think twice get in touch with complete care restoration today at completecarerestoration.ca and a big shout out to those small communities we know you're punching outside your weight class when it comes to what you're offering your constituents, your residents, and that includes paying attention to your bottom line on all the big expenditures. If you're a town, village, or even city in Alberta or Saskatchewan making big decisions on things like garbage, residential or industrial collection, recycling, any waste management issue, you're going to want to take a look at localenvironmental.ca. You know, some people might say, well, it's only garbage, but not to them. They believe that communities deserve better, and they're proving it every day in Alberta and Saskatchewan. You can learn more online today. Request a quote. Business owners, too. Best move you might make this week at localenvironmental.ca. 
Well, depending on when you hear this, either the puck will soon drop or perhaps it already has on the 2023 NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. Millions of fans around the world will be paying keen attention to see who will make its way, what team it will be out of that first round en route to hoisting the Stanley Cup. Derek Van Deest will be covering it all as a correspondent for NHL.com, the longtime sports reporter, last joined us. I mean, your last check-in with this show, you were halfway around the world uh, wrapping up some shopping for friends and family after covering the World Cup. What an adventure that must have been. That was a great time. Yeah, that's the last time when we were in Qatar. I think I was calling you from a mall in Qatar. I was yeah, doing my Christmas were, shopping. You were taking a break from Christmas shopping <laughs> yeah. to, to give us your take yeah. on the whole experience. Hey, exactly. congratulations on the new gig. Thank you, you. You've been working in print media for what, DVD? Almost, it's been like 20 almost, years. Almost 30 years, actually. Almost 20, 30. 28 years i started i started as a freelancer here at the edmonton with the edmonton journal got a full-time job in medicine hat was in medicine hat for about seven and a half years before i came back to the journal moved over to the sun and then of course they both merged and i've been part of that since and uh yeah this is a new opportunity that came up and it was just simply too good to pass Uh, makes uh, a whole lot of sense and i don't know if you want to get into the muck and mire of this i'm just talking to charles adler about what the business landscape looks like for newspapers and and broadcasters and boy you must have seen a lot of changes over the past number of years as well we did first off i want to say i i love charles adler i i grew up listening to his show he's just fantastic and he just he's got that great broadcaster voice but he's just such a smart individual i just i love listening to his show so it's great that you have him on every monday yeah you but yeah, it. I have. I've seen a lot of changes and you've seen the industry change and you know, try and evolve. And obviously it started with the with the Internet age. And I think maybe they they didn't handle it the way they, they might. They, they would have. If you go back to the beginning of the Internet, I think the newspapers would have maybe done it a little bit differently. Yeah. But yeah, you've seen the industry change and evolve. And, and there's been but I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of great newspaper people down the road. Like I got a lot of great people just love the business, love the industry. They're in it because of the love of the industry and they love to tell stories. They love to give out information and uh, you ran into a lot of those people down the road and and I I was I was blessed to be able to work in that industry for as long as I did and now I'm lucky to work with another great group of people over at the NHL telling those stories telling those hockey stories and of course uh, obviously we live in a hockey country and hockey mad mad town so it was a good fit yeah and and here you are moving into even more of a digital landscape and and a great opportunity for you and I was excited to see it Uh, we wanted to bring you on just just to kind of shoot the shit man and like have (laughs) coffee and talk playoffs and this is what a lot of people yeah. are going to be doing today yeah. and 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 of course we're going to talk about the Edmonton Oilers and and uh and I don't know what you're thinking with regards to a Stanley Cup final matchup uh Johnny thinks that it might be uh the Tampa Bay Lightning that make it out of the east of course I, I think a lot of people would love to see the Edmonton Oilers make it out of the west yeah. Colorado's looking to defend its its Stanley Cup championship but it but it's missing a couple of key pieces at the least and then you've got the Bruins with a, a record setting season that that looks like they're going to be tough to beat uh generally speaking uh what are some of the key storylines that you're paying attention to here just hours away from puck drop well it does feel like christmas morning doesn't it, it? Does. It's the first day of the playoffs feels Super like christmas exciting. morning it's very exciting yeah listen the oilers have a great team let's not get carried they have the two best players in the world on their team and they've done a fantastic job ken holland has done a fantastic job and his team of surrounding these players with solid a solid uh, secondary core, I guess. Yeah. So you, you look at the the solar team, and, and it's tough not to get excited about the fact that yeah, this is a championship caliber team, and if things go right, they get the bounces, they they can stay away from injuries, they could go all the way and win the Stanley Cup. And I I predicted it'd be an, an Oilers Bruins Stanley Cup. So I've seen a lot of the Bruins. 
Bruins this year. They got a fantastic team. They're, there's not a lot of holes in that Bruin. They got great goaltending, great defense all the way down the line. So they look like they are on a collision course to meet in the final. But of course, they play the games for a reason, right? That's why they play the games. Things can go wrong. You can get an unlucky bounce. The game's going to overtime. You know, you never know what happens. But uh, it's a great time to be excited to be an Oilers fan because they've suffered for so long, right? Like this, <laughs> t- this town has suffered for so long. The, the decade of darkness had lasted about 12 years, right? They thought they came out of it in 2017 they went back into it for a couple of years they back out of it the bubble disappointment the bubble playoffs losing to chicago disappointment in the next year losing in winnipeg uh, and obviously last season getting to the western conference final and then getting swept out by colorado there's a lot of lot of anguish here in edmonton and they're just ready to explode and i think this is a team that can really get behind and i'm really excited to see because i love the city at playoff time uh i don't think there's anything like it um i really think it's going to be a fantastic spring here in Edmonton and if the Oilers do what they're expected to do uh, it could be really a really fun ride for the next couple yeah you know a lot of times for a team to become a championship team it has to get pumped and it has to learn to lose (laughs) but it's tough for fans to swallow that isn't it to understand but but how significant you think it might be Colorado was you know that it was a wagon last year yeah and the avalanche just appeared to be sort of fulfilling its own destiny as a franchise to to hoist that Stanley Mm -hmm. Cup under Nathan McKinnon's leadership and, and maybe even more so Kale McCarr's uh, incredible skill and leadership, but but do you, how do you think that factors into it? Maybe even a more motivated uh, Connor McDavid, who I think is what sixty three, sixty four goals this year, one hundred and fifty three points. Yeah, the first to do that, only the sixth NHL Eller of all time to score at one fifty. The guy's just on a mission, so much so that other remarkable campaigns like. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Leon Dreisaitl, barely anybody's talking about them because of what Connor's doing. Is he hungrier even this year than he was last year? He is, and that's kind of a scary thought if you're the rest of the teams in the league. You saw what Connor McDavid, the level he took his game to in the regular season. Playoffs, everyone elevates their game. How high can Connor McDavid elevate his game to? That It's almost scary to think how good this guy can be in the playoffs when everything's on the line, and he is determined to win it. He is very much like Nathan McKinnon was last year. He's very much like Steve Samkos was the year before. These guys, regardless of all the individual accolades, they'll take the individual accolades, but they are here to win a Stanley Cup championship. They they are going to be known for winning Stanley Cup championships. Sidney Crosby is known for winning the three cups. Alex Ovechkin, great player. He had to win the cup to really cement his legacy. Yeah. All those great players, they have to win to cement their legacy, and Connor McDavid is determined to do that, and he has the tools to do it, but he has the group around him to do it as well. And I've never seen a guy so determined. He doesn't care if he wins the heart. He's going to win the heart. He's winning all these individual trophies. He doesn't care about that. He'd give them all up for a Stanley Cup championship, and that's what he wants right now, and he's going to be a really, really tough guy to stop. I dodged Adler's question uh, about whether or not he thinks that if the Oilers don't win this year, it might be a problem for retaining the superstar talent in Edmonton. Uh, Both 29 and 97, Dreisaitl and McDavid still under contract, but, but you don't take for granted that a star could request a trade. I doubt I see that happening this year, but let's say hypothetically. I'm not calling it. I I don't even like to talk about it, but Adler asked the question, fair question, real talk. Let's say the Kings beat the Oilers in round one. What do you think the implications might be for this nucleus that, that GM Ken Holland has put together? 
I don't think there's anybody demanding no, out. No, of this no one, one will be demanding team. out of him. No, it's a great team. They understand. There's a great team, and and you basically harken back. Remember the the days in the Oilers where they were supposed to be the best team in the league, and they got knocked out by the Kings sure. in the first round, and they didn't blow up that team. No one's saying, "Okay, I want out of this organization." These guys know what they have. They know. They look around. They go, "Guys, we're a championship caliber team." Yeah. You know, you'd hate to think if they stumbled, they would all tear the team apart. You won't. You don't tear up a championship caliber team, and and that happens. You remember Tampa was the best team in the league. And they yeah. went in there and they, they got swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets of all teams. After setting a record. Exactly. Setting a record for, for regular season wins. wins. Yeah. And then, so it happens. And then and they know that. But you do have Leon Dreisar for another three years, I believe, Connor McDavid for another four years. So that's your window right yeah. there. That's your winning window. And the, the only issue is that you're going to have to resign these guys at a much higher cost. So you're hoping that salary cap goes up, but they're going to be expensive players. You, you look at the money they're going to throw Connor McDavid anywhere in the league. That's going to be able for 20 him. right now. He, it's he unbelievable. Would, he would deserve, yeah, he would deserve it. it. What, he's going to get the max, whatever they can give him as a max salary. So this is their window. Everyone recognizes it. Ken Holland recognizes it. The team recognizes it. The coaching staff recognizes it. This is a two or three year window. If they lose this year, they're not going to blow up the team. They're going to keep this team. They're going to try and keep the score for at least the next three seasons because if they manage to win, they don't want to win just one. They want to have that maybe a chance to win two or three. Or They want to do what Tampa Bay did. Tampa Bay really kept that solid nucleus yeah. together, won the two cups, went to another final, still a contender, and I think that's the road the Oilers want to take. I can already hear my buddies saying, Justin, what the hell are you doing talking about the Oilers <laughs> losing? And once again, they haven't even played game one yet. Uh, for what it's worth, I do see Edmonton coming out of the Western Conference. Yeah. Let's talk. Let's have, let's have some fun with yeah, this. Winnipeg sure. Jets, the Vegas Golden Knights. Winnipeg has some of these X factors. They've, they've got a goaltender that can, that can win games, maybe win series. Yep. They've got star power, but for some reason, uh, people just don't seem to believe that the Jets could be the team to come out of the West. What do you think, them in Vegas? Well, I do like uh, the fact that they have Halibut is is an, is an X factor because I, I, I don't think Golden Knights have the gold. They're, they're probably going to go with Lauren Brassant or, or uh, the other young goalie that they have there. So, But it's funny because you look at the Golden Knights and you think, okay, there's talent on that team. They have a pretty talented team, but they just kept winning. Like the Oilers were on their tail for the last – six weeks of the season yeah and they just couldn't make up any ground i think they they made up three points in six weeks or something like that so the the, the golden knights know how to win and they've been there before a lot of guys have been there before their only weakness is their goaltending like you cannot let in a bad goal in the playoffs a, a game in the playoffs and i think and you have connor hollerick who's been there before they've gone to the conference final these two teams had met in the conference final a couple years ago and he's always an x-factor because he could steal a game for you he could so steal who do you think is going to win this series i think the series will go six i do think the vegas golden knights just have a deeper team you think vegas I do. is going to win vegas it? is going to come out of it. they just have a deeper team um Halbach may steal a game or two but i do think they have a deeper team but my concern is with their goaltending especially if they go with laurent brassois who's played well he hasn't Former played Edmonds poorly Edmonds oil, right? oil king yeah he's played well um but the playoffs is just a different different Johnny, do you have a pick uh, coming out of Winnipeg Vegas series? Do you have a Do you have a read on this one? Oh yeah, I like Vegas for that. You like series. Vegas yeah, in this one? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think everyone does, but you know, as Adler said, it'd be great to see the Jets pull off. It know, would be awesome. Then, yeah. Winnipeg fans too. Oh, like, they do the great. whole whiteout oh, thing. Oh, Winnipeg I mean, are obviously, just, you know, they just just as excited as Edmonton. It would be fans. It's a fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Atmosphere in Winnipeg is uh, the Avs and the Kraken. Is, is Seattle? Don't count them out. I mean, is this? Well, I, I think Colorado in five. What do you think? Well, yeah, I think Seattle's happy to be there. They, they're second year team. They're happy to be there. Things yeah. didn't go as planned last year. They got a. They don't have any real stars on their team. They have a nice, good, solid nucleus, and they're playing well. And they and they played really well. So th there's not a lot of. Um, 
weaknesses on that team, but they just don't have that star talent on that team. So they need everyone to play well all the time. And then and that's always tough when you need everyone going at all the time. Um, I just, I just, they're not going to knock off. The I think it's going to be a Colorado. Yeah. I think Colorado will win in, in five, maybe yeah. six, but it's going to be interesting. It's, it, I think they're, they're happy to be there and the Seattle's going to enjoy the first round. Uh, Dallas has some great young talent, yep. uh, obviously high skin in on the blue line and, and Jason Robertson with an unbelievable year, like coming out yeah. basically as, as a superstar, yeah. uh, but they've also got some aging talent as well. Dallas has a window to win it and they're up against uh, Kirill Kaprizov and the Minnesota wild. How do you see this one playing? out? I, I really like Dallas in this series. And just because Minnesota Wild are just, they've always kind of been there, but they're just such a nondescript team. They've never really gone on a big run. They've never really, you know, they don't have that playoff savvy experience. They, they're just there. Oh, the Minnesota Wild are in the playoffs, and they, they've never gone really far in the playoffs. Um, but I, I just I just do think the Stars do have that experience. They have that playoff savvy. They do have a bit of that star talent. I, I just think that they will get past the Minnesota. Minnesota has, has got a good young nucleus, got a good young core, but this won't be the year, so I, I can't see them knocking Dallas off. You got Dallas. Yeah. Uh, if you're just tuning in uh, live streaming on the Mixler audio app, we're talking to Derek Van Deest, NHL.com contributor. I love this one. I love I love geographical proximity. Yeah. I love Devils v. Rangers. Oh, awesome. uh, the Devils, some of the brightest young stars in the National Hockey League. The Rangers have loaded up on uh, the older guys. They got yeah. Patty Kane. They got Tarasenko. They got some interesting storylines to follow. Obviously, a dynamic power play. How do you see this one going? That's going to be a great series. Yeah. Like when those, two, like you talk about rivalries, Edmonton, Calgary. You talk about those great rivalries. Uh, Jersey, New York Rangers is right up there. Like because you know teams can go to both sites. Like they could just it's just totally incredible. Like rivalries in the stands, the rivalries on the ice. I do like this rivalry, but I. I do like the Rangers just a little bit more than, than the Devils. The Devils had a fantastic year. Uh, they've struggled for a long time. They've come out of that, and they've really they do look like they have a nice young core. But I just think the Devil, uh, the Rangers are, are more prime team, more experienced team. They're more built to win now, as opposed to the Devils. I think they're they're building a young core that'll be really really good in two three years to come out of the East there. So I think it's gonna be a war. I think it's gonna be a fantastic series. This will go seven. Yeah. Uh, but I do think the Rangers pull this. Yeah. Over. I mean, I think the Rangers could come out of the East. They're not my pick to yeah, come out of the East, but they, they could. You never yeah. know. Goaltending like that. You got Adam Fox. You got, you know, I mean, obviously star players like yeah. Zavinajad. Uh, Hurricanes Islanders. Is this one going to be over quickly? Well, you know, it's funny because, uh, you know, the Hurricanes are, are, are missing Sveshnikov. They're missing their top player. Uh, the Islanders, again, the Islanders were a team that was supposed to be on the rise. They kind of took a step back, and now they're back. They just got in the playoffs. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't see a lot of interest in this series, to be honest with you. Like, again, Carolina, it just ge geographically, they're just, you don't see a lot of Carolina Hurricane games. So you don't know a lot about that team. And, and I, I do think the Islanders will come out of this one. Her Carolina always seems to be the team that's almost there. They're almost there. They're almost ready to get over the hump. And they never do. They never seem to get over the hump. And I just don't, I don't see them getting over the hump now. And I, I do think the Islanders will, will somehow pull that one off. Uh, do you have Bruins sweeping the Panthers? Uh, or, or, do you, or do you think that Matthew Kachuk and, and, the, and that club could, could give uh, the defending president's trophy yeah. champions a bit of a headache in round no, one? No, that'll be over in five. Five yeah. at the most, maybe six. You have the Bruins have the dominating Bruins, yeah. the They're series. They're just such a dominant team. Like you, you watch that team, and they and they just keep coming over the boards at you. There's no weaknesses on that team. They, they, every the fourth line, they just, one to four line, they just keep coming at you. They have great goaltending, 
great defensemen. They just have they they're the package. There's a reason they won as many games as they won this year because there's just not a lot of holes there. And it, it's funny because their coach might win coach of the year, but all he had to do is open the gate and just let them roll. And that's we asked him about that, and he said, "Oh yeah, I just opened the gate, just let them go." Because it it just been fantastic, uh, you know, just all seasons. They've been a treat to watch. They've been on TV a lot, so you watch a lot of Bruins games. They're they're a real national draw in the United States, um, and they have a great team. So I think they're gonna they I think they're gonna roll for the first yeah. couple of rounds, and then maybe when they get to the Eastern Conference Final, they get it depends on the opponent be a little tougher. But um, they just I can't see I can't see them you know to give them any problems. In this even series. though this this particular Bruin does get a lot of press and does get a lot of love, I still think that Charlie McAvoy might be the most underrated player in the National Hockey League. Uh, I wouldn't place him too far. I mean, I think Kale McCarr is on his yeah. own planet. Uh, I think as the best defenseman in the league by a mile. Yeah. Uh, but I think Charlie McAvoy is oh. is a top three or yes. I think he's maybe a top two defenseman in the league. And and I think that he could have a coming out party in the playoffs. Oh, I as think well. so too. Yeah, he'll be playing twenty five to thirty minutes. Yeah, night, so. we've known that this uh, this will get the final matchup. We're talking Derek Van Dees in the first round. We've this one has been. Uh, I mean, they've been on a collision course yeah. for almost 30 games, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, for Toronto to, to get through this psychologically, yeah. I think, would be huge. What are you looking for in this series? It's a mental thing with Toronto here, getting out of the first round. Like It's just they've always had they, – they seem to have the superior team, but for whatever reason, they keep dropping the ball when they get out of the first round, I remember they had Montreal on the ropes. They couldn't get out of it. They have had so many chances to get out of this first round and haven't been able to do it. I do think this is the year they do it. I do think that, you know, when you have such disappointment, you learn from that disappointment. And I do think that guys like Marner and Matthews and, and those guys have learned from that disappointment. I think I really do. They think, um, and there's a, so much pressure on you talk about the pressure on the Oilers here, you, that, that pressure in that Toronto market, that's, that's, that's that's a lot of pressure to play under that. There's so much expectations there. The team is hasn't won in so long, and, and every every team they have, every time they have a a, a decent team, they're, they're already talking about Stanley Cup championships and things like that. I do think they get out. I think they have just a bit more than than Tampa Bay does, but it's just such a mental thing with the, with the Leafs right now. The whole it's a whole organization, and this is there's a lot of pressure on this organization because I think if they do lose in the first round. Then the, I, I think the coach is gone. I think the GM is gone. I think that there's going to be wholesale changes in Toronto. Um, you know, and I don't think you know, you talk about maybe McDavid wanting out. I, was I think just Matthews ask you. Matthews might be a guy that's got you know one what? more year. Uh, this I'm I'm good. Let me go play somewhere where it's not as pressure cooker as it is here. Because um, I just I just think he Matthews wants to be a little bit like. Kachuk, where he wants to go somewhere where maybe the heat is not as on, uh. and he can play loose, he can play free, which which what, what Matthew Kachuk did. He had a great year in Florida, but there wasn't that pressure on him that there was in Calgary. So I think Matthew's in that similar vein. So there's a lot of pressure on the Leafs to win this because that team could get dismantled yeah. if it, they if they don't. But I do think they have enough talent to, to get over Tampa Bay, who's kind of on the way down now. They they they're, they're they've they've crested and and they're trying to just hold on to what they had. Um, but eventually Tampa's going to have to look at that team and say, okay, we're going to have to start all over again. Tampa still has those big names. Yeah. You know, you've got Vasilevsky, you got Hadman, although who knows, you know, how healthy he'll be through the playoffs. Of yeah. course, you got Stamkos, Kucherov, you got all these great players. Uh, but yeah, at the same time, who knows? That That's uh, the battle of two titans in the Eastern Conference with the Leafs and the Lightning. Yeah. I'd 
I'd like to see the Leafs get out of the first round, but also I love to see it when they don't. You know what I mean? You, you love to see the you love to see the anguish in Toronto, especially yeah, because you get so much Eastern. They, they, you know the, all those stories about McDavid wanting out and time to move McDavid. They can't. They're all based out of Toronto. They come out of Toronto. That's the only place <laughs> they come out of because they all want. They're all upset that McDavid ended up in Edmonton when he got drafted. Oh, he's gonna hate Edmonton. He's gonna hate playing in Edmonton, and McDavid loves playing in this city. So it just it, you know you, you just maybe for that reason it alone, but. I think the playoffs are more exciting when the Leafs are, are, are going a little further. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see if they can get out of the first round. But you want as many Canadian teams to move on. You want the Jets. You want 100%. the Oilers. You want the Toronto Maple Leafs to move on. I wanted the Calgary Flames to make the playoffs as well because it's always fun when the two Alberta teams are in the playoffs at the same time. It doesn't happen a lot, so it's really fun when it, when it happens. Um, so, yeah, you want – the Canadian teams to have success because, and I think the league does too, because the more success Canadian teams have, uh, the just the more energy and, and the more excitement uh, the playoffs generate. Not that they don't generate a lot in the states, but the states are competing with a lot of things right now. You know, they're competing with baseball, they're competing with with other sports. Right here in Canada, it's all about the Stanley Cup playoffs, and the further your team goes, the more exciting it gets. Uh, just b- before we, I know you've got like uh, an entire day's work ahead of you. The good news <laughs> is you got to walk about seventy walking, feet yeah, across, across the street the to Rogers Place. But uh, but uh, one of the big stories to follow. You mentioned the Calgary Flames, and and perhaps even more so, uh, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and the Penguins, yep. Alex Ovechkin, and the Capitals. Some notable omissions yep. uh, from the first round this year. Which of those three teams or another surprises you most? Of those that missed the dance. Um, I, Calgary does because I thought Calgary had a good core, had a good nucleus. Now they lost two star players, and I thought they did a good job of replacing those two star players. But I think that there's a Calgary. There's a misconnect between ownership and management because ownership hired the coach, not management. And now ownership saying, well, this guy, we want this guy to be our coach. We may get rid of our manager, but whatever manager you bring in here, the owner's going to say, well, I've already hired the coach. Now we've seen here when the owner meddles. That's disaster. The owners got to stay out of things, right? We saw it here with Daryl Cates a little bit where he was held trying to make some personnel decisions. It didn't work out well. And then Daryl Cates said, okay, I'm going to step away. You guys run the team. I'll just pay the bills. That's how it works. Was that after the Yakupov draft? A little bit. Yakupov and there's (laughs) some other guys that, you know, Mike Cromery was a recommendation of of, of what I understand from uh, Daryl Cates. So he stepped away and and the team did well. So I think there that's the issue in Calgary right now is that ownership thinks, you know what, we have some suggestions and we want and no, it doesn't work that way. Hire good people to run your team and then get out of the way. And that's the way it is in any organization. You have to hire people that are smarter than you, that are better than that. You have to surround yourself with a good group of people. And that's why I've always admired Ken Holland because as smart as Ken Holland is, he wants smarter people around him. He wants really good people around him. He doesn't have this ego where he's like, I got to be the smartest guy in the room all the time. What I say goes, no, Ken Holland does a great job of surrounding himself with people with good, honest opinions. And he takes those opinions and he listens to those people. It's one thing to, to get an opinion from someone and say, oh, I'm going to do it my way anyway. He does that. And I think that's what makes him so successful. And he's learned he learned that very early on in his management career days and he's, he's continuing here and you look at the Oilers and you look at the team that they've put together management wise and coaching wise and scouting wise it's a lot better than it had been in the past because he's going out to get the best people and he's not afraid to say hey this guy knows a bit more than I do I'm going to bring him on my team Brian Burke, Ron Hextall, both fired. Yes, uh, from, from uh, you know Penguins brass, yeah. obviously, and uh, you've got a team that's just re-upped. 
uh, Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang. Uh, they've still got Sidney Crosby in a window. Crosby had you know more than 90 points yep. this year. He's still obviously at a status where he can play at an elite level. What do you do if you're the incoming president of hockey ops or general manager for the Pittsburgh Penguins? I mean, what, what would you do differently? Where, where was the mistake? Where was the breakdown there? This is a team, obviously, yeah. that has a huge urgency. Yes, and that's the thing. My, my first thing is I'd sit down with Sidney Crosby and say, what are your goals for the next three or four years? They're not trading you, him, no, no, not they're not trading him. But I don't know if he wants to be part of a big rebuild either. I don't know if he wants to spend the last four or five years of his career uh, with a young team rebuilding. He may. I don't know. He may. He's you know he's won his three cups. He may say, you know what, I will be part of this rebuild and I will help this franchise because they they're gonna have to start tough not to, to rebuild with new contracts it, it, for Malkin and Latango. It, it is tough to rebuild. So maybe. <laughs> Could be one of the reasons they got, they got fired, right? Because they're looking at that, going, "Okay, well, we have this these guys, and we're in a salary cap area, area. So, but we we can't we can't surround them with other players because we trouble. have no money, right? That's the problem. And I think that's the first thing you got to do is you got to say, what is the direction of the Pittsburgh Penguins? Are they still want to consider themselves contenders for next year, or are they going to have to kind of reload and, and bring in some some yeah. young talent? So, of course, with yeah. another former Edmonton Oil King goaltender Tristan Jari yes. there who had, a, who had a really tough year yeah. himself. So, yeah. a great year when he was playing. But a tough year staying on the ice. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so. Derek Van Dees, you can read his work at NHL.com. And of course, you can follow him on Twitter at Derek Van Dees. Uh, this just felt like the morning we wanted to sit it's around perfect. and have some hockey it's talk. It's absolutely We're super perfect. excited. Yeah, no, it's We're going to have highlights on all our screens the minute we wrap oh, up this show, DVD. Sure. You know, I'm so excited. It starts all at five today. Yeah, buddy. And then we'll keep going. Big game at eight o'clock. I'm excited. I think you can you can sense the vibe in the oh, city. Yeah. I'm walking over. Oh, yeah. You can always sense the, the old vibe. It's going to be such an exciting time. Yeah, man. Good yeah. to see you, DVD. Thanks for having Congrats me on. Congrats on the new gig, pal. No problem. Yeah, make sure you read Derek's work at NHL.com, of course, through the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. This conversation was presented by our friends at Friesen Brothers, who want to remind you about all the resources available right now on their website, Friesen.com. That's F-R-E-S-O-N. Uh, you can check out some of the cool stuff they have happening, including their Family Essentials Flyer. This is a resource that we love in our household. You can view it online as a family business that started in 1955. Uh, Friesen Brothers has always been focused on family, and so they understand families are busy. Uh, they also understand that sometimes, most times, budget can play in to your dinner plans. Uh, they take both things into consideration as they put some amazing and easy family meal solutions together, including one pan to feed them all. You can check out what I'm talking about today at Friesen.com. 16 locations across the province. Friesen Brothers is Alberta-owned, Alberta-grown. Our friends at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park want to remind you about some of the hot eats and cool treats that they have available in their stores in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road. You know, I oftentimes wrestle with this. I get really excited about one Dairy Queen menu item. Like last year, it was the churro-dipped cone. Yeah, I said churro-dipped cone. But then I realized, well, gosh, like it's been a while since we've talked about the chicken strip baskets, for example. What about the sauced and tossed honey barbecue glazed chicken strip basket? You can also check out the chicken strips and fry rings combo. You don't have to make that choice between those crisp Dairy Queen fries and the world-class onion rings. You can learn more about it, of course, at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. Make sure you let them know that Real Talk sent you. And for those families that are keen on keeping money in the pocket, <laughs> who isn't these days? 
When it comes to electricity, natural gas, and internet, who are you giving your business to? Can we recommend you take two minutes at some point this week and check out parkpower.ca? You can compare rates on all three utilities. I'm going to tell you what, spoiler alert, you're going to end up paying less with Park Power, especially when you use that promo code REALTALK23, which knocks 50 bucks off your first bill for each of the services you go with. That's electricity, natural gas, and internet. The promo code is REALTALK23 at parkpower.ca. Well, we love giving Real Talkers uh, shouts out when you have had an impact or an influence on our content. And that includes right now, every Monday, the first show of every week, our friends at Kubi Renewable Energy. You can get a free solar quote today at kubienergy.ca. They give us an opportunity to focus on stories that warm our hearts, stories that make us happy, stories of people paying it forward or random acts of kindness or sometimes stories that remind us how lucky we are to have animals like dogs. This is a story that was suggested by one of you in our live chat last week for positive reflections. And this is the story of two dogs from right here in Canada called Sadie and Rolo. And in just a second, we'll roll the video. You got to hear this. This is absolutely amazing. They're two pups that became friends during the pandemic. Now, Sadie is a Husky German Shepherd mix. Rolo is a Rottweiler Shepherd mix. And when they had to move apart, Rolo's owner relocated for a new job. They realized that the pups just weren't the same. They missed each other. And so now every Thursday, the dogs FaceTime. Yeah, the dogs have a FaceTime date. And, uh, well, here's an example of how it plays out. It's an absolutely heartwarming story and one that made our day. We love when these stories are submitted by real talkers just like you. You can send us your positive reflection to talk at ryanjesperson.com or hit us up on social media. You'll find Real Talk RJ online at Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Use the hashtag Real Talk RJ to make sure we see it. That's positive reflections presented by our friends at Kubi Renewable Energy. We've got a whole lot coming up this week. Great shows, episodes you won't want to miss. If you subscribe to our weekly email, you've probably already read all about it. Go to ryanjesperson.com. At the bottom of the page is where you can sign up for our email newsletter. Every single week, the highlights that have happened and the highlights to come right here on your favorite show, Real Talk. We'll see you tomorrow. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, Executive Producer Josh Dunford, Technical Producer John Hicks, General Manager Katie Cook-Chivers, Account Coordinator Lawrence Derlego, Human Resources Lena Shepherd, Website Design Mike Johnston, VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandi Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a relay project.
For more, check out ryanjasperson.com. 